How are the leaders at all levels of management tackling the toughest challenges each day? That's the question. And this podcast is the answer. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'm bringing on the brightest minds in management to share practical solutions to those challenges you're facing. Let's get ready to jam. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast. Today's guest is Sandy Black, who's Vice President of North America Commercial Operations at Leva Nola, a global medical technology company. Now, Sandy's responsible for several departments within the commercial side of the organization. Some of the departments include sales data and analytics, sales incentives, commercial excellence and training, as well as customer service, contracts and pricing, and clinical nurse education. And she's here today to share her leadership journey with us. Sandy, welcome to the Jam Session. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure. And are you ready to jam? I am ready. All right. So let's do this. Let's talk about your leadership journey. Let's talk about some of your guiding principles and your superpower, your magic sauce, maybe some of the events that helped to shape and mold you along your leadership journey. Sure. I think my secret sauce, I would say, is asking questions mm -hmm. and not making assumptions. The asking questions and not making assumptions actually was drilled into me by my father. When I would go to him for help on my math problems, and seek him out, and he'd be sitting there in the chair reading his newspaper. And I'd ask for the help. He'd fold the, the newspaper down, look over his glasses at me, and go, well, Sandra, what do you think? And I've been sitting trying to solve this problem for a long time. I had to work myself up to going and asking for help because I knew that this was what was going to happen. And I guess I kept thinking that at some point he was actually just going to tell me the answer instead of making me sit there and figure it out. Because First thing I think is when he's asking me what I thought, I'm thinking, well, I don't know what to think. That's why I'm coming to ask you. And he was a legit rocket scientist. That's he right. Was a rocket scientist, a NASA legit rocket scientist. That's got to be intimidating. Incredibly intimidating, even if it's your father. And this happened to say, well, what do you think? And it's like, I don't know what to think. But I really appreciate it now as an adult because he taught me how to think. He made me stop and actually try to solve the problems instead of just getting the answers. So, it was a really valuable lesson. So there's a Peanuts cartoon with Marcy and Peppermint Patty. And Peppermint Patty says to Marcy, let me see. She says, I have it all figured out, Marcy. The way I see it, there seems to be more questions than there are answers. So try to be the one who asks the questions. And this hung in my dad's office his entire career at NASA. And I'd go in as a kid and see that and I think, I don't get it. It's not funny at all. As a matter of fact, it's just weird. But it now hangs a mile of this because I totally get it now, right? Be the one to ask the questions. You don't have to have all the answers and you're going to learn so much more by asking the questions and, and you won't make those assumptions that can be so irritating to others. It's so true. I mean, I'm a big believer in asking open-ended, powerful questions. In fact, one of my last teams, we got to a point where, and these were first-line managers reporting into me. I remember one day, one of them calling me saying, all right, I have this challenge, but please don't ask me any questions. Can you just give me the answer? I was like, okay, but let me just ask one question. And so I totally agree with you. I mean, oftentimes we get into trouble because we don't ask questions and we do just make assumptions. It can be irritating for the other person because then you're just making assumptions and they don't feel heard, they don't feel valued. I love using that in heated conversations because it diffuses things by asking questions and asking somebody to, to talk through why they believe something. And then I find other times we're saying the same things. We're just using a slightly different language or 
communicating slightly differently. And it can completely diffuse a situation. There is no reason we're not really arguing. We're saying the same thing very passionately. Sure. And I guess, and then other times you can find out that somebody has a completely wrong understanding of what's going on and, and you can resolve the issue much better by just asking the questions. And I find that asking those questions kind of calm me down too, and to be more in investigator mode as opposed to getting ratcheted up on the emotional side of things. So to me, it's, it's very powerful. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Sometimes you can go too far with it, right? But I think great leaders are great teachers too, but you first ask questions to figure out, do they have the solutions? Do I have this right? Then I can understand maybe I do need to teach a little bit. I'm not sure you would necessarily get there without asking some questions in the beginning. So when you couldn't figure it out, did your dad give you the answer or? No, no. He would never give me the answer. I'd still really? figure it out. So many times I've walked away from that conversation in tears and thinking I'm never doing this again. But then I go back and do it again. So how has that helped you with, with some of the teams you've led or, or challenges maybe that you've come across? The biggest help that's been for me right now is I've been leading a transformation project of work. I've actually led a couple. I am an engineer by schooling. The majority of my career has been product development, quality engineering, all the stuff on, on the product development side of things, R&D. Which is fascinating, just your history and your background. You're an engineer, led multiple teams, and, and here you are now vice president responsible for commercial, yeah. with the exception of, of sales and, and marketing, but all these other departments that fall under commercial, right? Yeah. The analytics, operations, training, incentives. That had to be challenging just even coming into that. Incredibly challenging. So yeah, it was definitely a shift and leading teams. Oftentimes it's easier to, to lead the engineers because it's not as emotional. It's very rational, reasonable, logical. But coming into teams, I mean, I work with a, a large group of nurses, which are a completely different personality than I'm used to. And the sales team, everything is, it's just different animals, different language, yeah. everything. Yeah. So coming to that role, one thing I knew I couldn't do is come in with a bunch of assumptions. I don't know this rule at all. We have a lean principle at work. We follow a lot of lean principles. So we do what we call Gimba, go and see. So I did my go to Gimbas and sat with my case managers, sat with them for a day and learned about what they do, why they do it, how they do it. Just sat and asked questions. I've done the same thing with our sales team, commercial operations. What do they like? What do they not like? How does it work? And so I've gone on field rides, which is a version of go to Gimba with the sales team, ask them why they're doing certain things. What would be better if you had this? So again, asking those questions, because I didn't want to make assumptions sitting in my office or in my home about what they needed to make their jobs better. I needed to go out there and not just ask, but also see. I give you credit for taking the time to actually kind of jump in the trenches and learn what the roles are. I'm sure that went a long way. I have no doubt it went a long way. Based on doing that, were you able to make any changes or resolve any issues that you came across? Absolutely. Yeah. I've come back with the knowledge I've gained, helping build out better dashboards for them to see the information that they need at their fingertips of putting everything in one spot so they know what to look at. We have totally changed some of our sales metrics that we track, knowing what behavior we needed to drive and what things we needed to be doing. So really kind of better understanding their process and help driving the, the business in a different direction. The second part of what molded me was from a time when I was at a previous company and we were under an SDA warning letter, which if you've ever read on one of those, it's incredibly stressful. It's a horrible time. But the company wasn't happy with our local management. They brought in four leaders from across the U.S. 
They they handpicked the team to come down and uh, straighten us out. We all called them the four horsemen. And that is <laughs> epic. That is awesome. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm following. It was horrible. We had these big wig leaders come in and we were under a warning letter for a long time. So granted, they had a reason to see that we needed fixing, but they came in and basically started making assumptions of what we were doing wrong and never came in and bothered to ask us why we were doing something, certain things or why we had done this or why we do this now and why things had developed the way they had. I learned from that. I never wanted to be like that because I felt so small. I felt so frustrated, almost helpless because they didn't care. They were like, well, they just lumped us all in. None of you know what you're doing. You know, instead of saying maybe our leaders were bad or maybe we were taking a wrong direction and maybe they should actually talk to us about what we had been wanting to do. And instead they just came in and said, nope, we don't want to listen to you. This is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to do it. It was horrible. So I learned what not to do. And that's why I am a firm believer. My mantra is seek to understand, ask questions, don't make assumptions. I am sure that all of us have come across in, in any given organization we worked at one, two, or maybe all the four horsemen in our careers. And I agree. It's like death and destruction just comes riding in and you're like, what happened? What a mess. Yeah. Yeah. And being lumped in with everything that was a mess when, when we had actually been, one of us had been trying to fix things in our own ways and to just be lumped in like, oh no, you don't know what you're talking about. You just need to do things this way. I could see how that has shaped and molded you. Oh yeah. It was so demotivating and I don't want to do that to my team. I don't want to do that to people around me. I don't want to demotivate or, or stifle thought. Perfect. What would you say is your greatest accomplishment? Right now, I would say this is, this is my biggest accomplishment with this team is just starting to, to get the trust of the team and seeing the shift. And on top of that, I would say I was transitioning from the, the R&D product development role. Our sales took a nosedive in Q1 of 2019. And I was pulled from the more engineering side of things and said, hey, can you come help us do some problem solving? And I really love problem solving. I love more cause analyses. I like digging in and, and understanding. So I jumped at the chance and we had a lot of different work streams trying to figure out what happened. Why did the, the business crash and burn in Q1? And so I was assigned to one of the functions within sales. It's a non-sales role. It's more of a support role. So I was assigned to, to figure out if that role had caused the problem because the sales team was kind of doing a lot of this and a lot of finger pointing at this team because their compensation the prior quarter had changed from being a more sales type of compensation to more of a, a corporate side of compensation. And so the, the sales team was saying, well, those folks aren't as passionate about getting patients pulled through their funnel because they aren't being compensated on it. And based on this team, I, I did, that didn't sound right. But again, don't make assumptions. Yeah. Need to understand, go out and ask questions. So, so that's where I started doing field rounds with these teams and really understanding what they're doing, how they're doing it. We did some value stream analysis. We did all kinds of continuous improvement. We built up funnels, built up metrics, did a lot of digging in to see what was going on. And in the end, we proved that it wasn't that functions issue. It was actually the sales team had some poor performance. But through all that, I ended up inheriting that team. That was kind of my first foray of getting into the commercial side. It's like, Ended up inheriting the team that I had helped with the investigation on and then ultimately on the commercial operations. But that team is now one of the highest functioning in the commercial organization, gets tons of kudos, and they've they've been performing fantastically. I'm sure you built a lot of trust with that team. Oh, yeah. 
And so you just basically took the time to come in and, and understand. Understand them. So they weren't the cause. We found a lot of things that could be improved. Honestly, it makes their lives better. We went through a lot of what's, what's taking their time. What are their pain points? How do we fix those? And it's kind of fun because now the team is very much in the continuous improvement mode. So I'm not driving anymore. They're going, hey, we want to fix this. It's like, how about it? Go do it. And I think the team feels much more empowered. They're seeing the fruits of their labors. They're seeing the changes. They've all got these great ideas of what we need to be doing. We're just prioritizing and getting them done. And there's just a lot more ownership and satisfaction within the team. It just goes to say how when you when you kind of jump into trenches and seek to understand, you're also helping to shape and mold and change people's mindsets too. I think right? that's key. Yeah. Based on what you're doing with them. Loved how you said because yeah, they're they're continuous learning. Exactly. And and they're teaching the new people to do the same thing. I'm doing the same thing now with a transformation project for a commercial team. Is this the one where we're talking? Was this one that kind of fell in a bucket of, all right, here's one of the mistakes I've made along the way? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I made a mistake. Yeah. So the previous transformation project, it was mostly managed and, and run and and developed and everything was done by leaders in the company, the high-level leaders. So VPs, directors, it was a transformation of the sales team. And we pulled in the area directors, which are the higher level sales team, but we didn't pull any middle management and we didn't pull any individual contributors into deciding our new go-to-market model. So we kept it at a high level. And actually, by the time we rolled it out, there was maybe I think I was the only high-level person left with the exception of maybe a couple of the sales guys. And it kind of fell flat on its face. We didn't ever really truly roll out the, the, the transformation we wanted to. It was kind of halfway down and COVID hit at the same time. So that kind of slowed it down as well. But there was no grassroots kind of belief in what we were doing. The sales team felt like it was being done to them, not for them. It's a much different attitude or, or not the attitude that we, we wanted because then it was like, oh yeah, that thing, that thing that you guys were doing. And there was always this belief, well, it's not really happening or it's not, not real because we were just telling them this is what they needed to do. So now doing it another transformation and taking that lessons learned from not involving the mid-level sales team or the individual contributor sales team, the, the individual reps in the making of this transformation, learning part of it. So this time I've got several teams for each different work stream of the transformation that we're doing. I'm letting the, the, the sales team be the leaders of these teams. Mm. So they get to manage the different work streams. They've got at least another regional manager and a individual sales rep on those teams. In addition to the cross-functional teams, I need their buy-in. I want them to be part of building it because they're going to have to live it. I don't want to make assumptions from this high level of how things need to be built out. I need their thoughts. I need their perspective on how to build out the right go-to-market model. So lessons learned here is to always build advocates at every level so that they're helping carry everything through. I think that is so important and it's often missed. So for anyone out there that is at a high level, at an executive level, and, and you're responsible for rolling out different work streams, oftentimes I, I see it. I see it more often than not where it's just pushed out. You may go one level below and here's what we think this needs to look like. Then we scratch our heads wondering, well, why didn't it take off the ground or why isn't it being pulled through? And to your point, because I love the term, you haven't built advocates at every level and it's so critical. It is. And they're going to be the ones peer to peer. 
they're going to be helping to launch this stuff. They're going to be influencing their peers. That's how we're going to build this new way of working together is at that level. We can say we want to build a culture and we want to do all this great stuff, but you really can't do that top down. You need those people at every level buying in and having them had a say in it too. We've started down the road with this project and started making some changes and, and we had some of the team like, I'm a little bit concerned about this because of this, 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 and we're listening. We're stopping, we're listening, and we're, we're adjusting based on that. I think we didn't do that last time. It's a transformation of the way we're working, but I think it also needs to be a cultural transformation, which again is having the visibility, transparency, and building those advocates. Well, I give you a lot of credit. I guess I'm not surprised because you are one who seeks to understand and looks to where are the solutions, how, how can we enhance things? And you looked at the first go around and realized, all right, here's how we have to change things moving forward. Yeah, I, I did a lot of soul searching. And it's not that it hasn't been successful. It's just, I know I could have done better. And I know that it could have been easier had I involved people along the way yeah. and done the same thing. I wish more senior leaders would ask this, that simple question, what could I have done better, right? Moving forward. Uh -huh. I come across this, but oftentimes that's not asked. And uh, right. I mean, look, it takes, it takes a lot of courage and humility to be able to kind of just ask the simple question, what could I have done better? Right? Yeah. I think you're right. I think doing my own root cause investigation on myself. Right. What? right. So I can see now your whole approach in, in even taking over and coming over to the commercial side, I can clearly see your, your guiding principles and how you definitely didn't want to be viewed as one of the four horsemen coming in, as you talked about earlier. All right. So last question for you. So looking back at your first team, what do you wish you knew then that you know now? I think patience having patience with them. And it's the same kind of thing with like with my dad. People would come and ask me questions. People are coming to me and making me feel important because they're asking me, hey, what do I do here? What do I do there? And I would just tell them what to go off and do. And I think part of it is control. I wanted to do things the way I wanted to, to do them and impatience and feeling special because people are asking me what to do finally instead of me having to ask others what to do. So all of that led to me not really developing the team. I would just give them answers and go out and do this. But they were great at following direction. But what I didn't do is help teach them how to think through things or figure some things out on their own. I didn't develop them. And so looking back on that, I'd say that was my, my biggest mistake with my first team is, is really not developing people. So now I consciously make an effort to really stop, ask people what they think, talk through it with them, ask for their opinions, how they would solve a problem. And I'll, I'll help coach, but I'm not going to give them the answer. Honestly, if it's not important, I will let them fail a little bit so that they, they learn themselves. Because I think we learn so much better when we learn ourselves than so we just give them the answers. It's mm. going to be ingrained. So let them fail if it's not a big deal. As long as they're, they're gonna not going to crash and burn, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're going to mess up the business. If it's a small decision, let them make it. Yeah. I used to work for a manager too that, that always would say, you know what? You're going to make mistakes. Just make them fast and learn from them. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I agree. And I think one of the things I've seen is there so many people are afraid of failure. And I think it's key to let people fail and realize it's okay to fail. It's okay to fail as long as you learn from it. Right. And as a manager, some out there might be thinking, well, you're setting people up for success or failure. We're not talking about setting people up for failure. It is more isolated. I think this does fall more under tenured leaders, right? Such as yourself and and. In the beginning, when you're managing, it can be very scary. 
so much easier mm-hmm. just to come in and control everything. Yeah. Right. But as you get experience, you kind of do know and select certain things that, you know, if 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 they make a mistake here, it's not business critical, but it's something that that they may actually learn from better than me telling them. There are those scenarios out there. You just have to control it. Absolutely. I mean, and you're never going to innovate mm. or try something different or try something new or take a take a calculated risk, do something different, change something. If you're too afraid of failure, you're not going to go after those kind of things. That's true. And I, I see that often. And I want my team to be able to play a bit and ask the questions, what can we do better and try to do something. Even if it fails, I want them to at least have tried. That can also be a thing against culture is if, if you have a uh, culture that doesn't allow people to, to fail because they're trying something different and it's not good. Again, stifles that innovation. And it actually becomes a toxic culture too. But it does all stem from you, the leader. I mean, you have to kind of set that tone. Yeah. Right. And, and, and make it clear that it is okay. Take a risk. It's okay along the way. Yeah. I try to share my failures in the open with them. Right. I, I openly share with them the failures of the previous transformation projects. And I said, I'm going to do different because I realized I made a mistake there. Well, and that right there then sets the whole tone for everyone else within your organization that, that you're responsible for. Where they know, again, she's leading by example. It's not just words. It's putting action behind them. It's very powerful. That alone just changes the culture. Yeah. Well, Sandy, I really appreciate you coming on, sharing your leadership journey and your stories. Love some of the stories and and the four horsemen, I think is great. That's definitely a keeper. As well as building advocates at every level. It's so important for, for senior leaders to make sure they are building those advocates along the way. Thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with a friend or colleague who you think might also get some value from it. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast.